The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. I think if there's one simple question we need to ask ourselves today when we're contemplating these readings, and it's what I'm going to talk about a little bit today, is ask ourselves the question, is the gospel good news for me? And all the consequences that that entails. In the first reading today, on the words, uh, on the lips of Job, we can see something that is not too far away from what's on the lips of so many people in the world today, a sort of hopelessness. They long for the next break, next coffee break, next lunch break at work, thinking that it's going to resolve something, and it gives them a little bit of relief, and then it goes on. They long for a good night's sleep, and they're up all night with worry and anxiety. They're just waiting for the dawn to come, and it seems like it will never come. They long, you know, they're working, and work is hard, and it's tough, and they're kind of dragging their feet and doing it, and they're waiting for that next paycheck. And yeah, the paycheck does come, but in the end, it doesn't satisfy them. They're looking for something more. As Job says in the first reading today, this is a moment that he is a man without hope. And without hope, he looks at his whole life as something that just seems advancing rapidly, rapidly, rapidly without meaning. To what end? To what purpose it is? Now, in the case of Job, it's more than a simple lamentation because I could have a better job or I could have more free time, I could have a better vacation plan. Because remember, the whole book of Job is really wrestling with the problem of evil. Why is it that evil happens to good people? That's the underlying problem that Job is trying to work out. Something horrible happens to Job at the start of that book. He loses practically all his material possessions. He loses all his children. He comes down with this horrible, annoying disease that's not until death, but is just really disagreeable and unpleasant and irritating and itchy and everything. And the whole testament to Job in the book is that in the end, he doesn't lose hope, even though he's lamenting his condition. Because at one point in that book, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He knows that somebody is out there who will rescue him from this plight. Maybe he wasn't thinking of the Savior in that moment, but we know that God is speaking through that, that Job persevered in his hope that justice would be done and that he would be saved from his predicament. And in the end, that happened. Because his so-called friends came and kept convincing him, look, obviously God is doing this to you because you did something. And Job has this prolonged conversation with him saying, I didn't do anything. And people are saying, look, you did something against God, so you might as well curse God for doing this for you and just move on with your life. 
And he never cursed God. He never lamented that situation. He persevered in his trust in the Lord. He didn't understand what was going on. And in the end, he didn't get all the answers as to why. But he persevered in his hope, and the Lord blessed him more than he had been blessed before. And we're talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about centuries before the coming of Christ. And when we come to the second reading today, when St. Paul says, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. How many times have we heard that as kind of the rallying call? on why we should go out and evangelize. But it's interesting that he talks about that, whether as an obligation, we have a responsibility to do it as an obligation, and we do, but that he willingly does it, because he shares that gospel, as he says, freely. It's not that he's selling it, because the gospel sells itself. The gospel is good news. Everybody loves good news. Good news bolsters your hope. It gives you hope. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. So Paul says, I don't just preach the gospel out of obligation, although I'd be in in trouble if I didn't preach the gospel. I willingly do it. Because he knows not only that a reward is coming, but it's going to be something that's rewarding for the people that he shares it with. And so he sees the gospel as good news, and he sees because of that good news, he knows that he has to go out and share it. In Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis made a point of saying that some Christians, it's like they're stuck in a permanent Lent. When a Christian is stuck in a permanent Lent, as Pope Francis describes it, it's because they really haven't had that experience of Christ in his love that fills them with that joy to go out and share the gospel. And sometimes we run into Christians that they seem kind of miserable. But that's because they are not able anymore for giving those reasons for their hope. St. Peter, in his first letter, it's where the word term apologetics comes from, which is sort of like entering into dialogue with people with rational discussions about the faith. He says, always give people a reason for the hope that is within you. The hope that is within you is what makes the gospel good news. Because you know at the end of it all, something good is on the horizon. And it's something not just at the end of it all, even in those trying moments. It's something that's operative and working right now. And it's waiting to burst out in all its glory. And not only our whole life as believing uh, believing Christians is like that, the whole history of the people of God, salvation history is like that. Blossoming into eternal life, which we'll celebrate at the end of ordinary time with the Feast of Christ the King. So when we come to the Gospel today, we see... Our Lord is starting to show that show the good news of the gospel. Last week, we literally saw where he was talking with authority and not as the scribes. He was casting out demons. People were amazed that he talked so decisively. And here he comes to the house of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with fever. And he doesn't just say, okay, I hope you feel a little bit better. And she doesn't say, you know what, I do feel a little bit better, but now I'm going to take it easy now. I mean, he literally puts her on her feet. And she's better enough that she goes and she serves. Word gets around. The good news gets around. And all of a sudden, everybody is practically beating down Simon and Andrew's door because they want to meet this guy who is giving people this relief in a way that they would have never imagined before, completely at no cost whatsoever, completely freely. Like Paul talks in the second reading today about giving the gospel free of charge. The Lord healed Simon's mother-in-law free of charge. Those people come up. They have demons cast out. They're healed of their infirmities. And it's not like, talk to my assistant Peter. He will give you the bill. 
free of charge, and it's good news, and that good news starts to spread. And then we have this moment where everybody is clamoring to see him because of all the good wonders and signs and miracles that he's doing, and he goes off on one of those quiet moments to pray to a deserted place. He goes away from the crowd. When he does that in the gospel, it means he's praying about it and he's making big decisions. And on a human level, he could have legitimately been praying about this point. It's like, wait, do I really, is it good enough that I just stay here? I stay in Capernaum. I make this my base of operations. I mean, there's plenty of good to do in this town. But when he comes out of that moment of prayer, Simon says, everyone's looking for you. And he says, let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. So he starts going to the other synagogues. Good news has to be shared. If we don't share good news, we have to ask ourselves, well, is it really good news for me? And that's the key. The key is remembering that the gospel is good news. We can be kind of tired in living the gospel because these events, historically speaking, happened 2,000 years ago. But our Lord is alive and active right now. He works amazing things. He works amazing things every time we receive him in the Eucharist. He works amazing things every time we go to him for the sacrament of reconciliation. He works amazing things every time a son or daughter of God, adopted son or daughter of God through baptism comes into this world when their parents take them for baptism or someone who loves them takes them for baptism. He is still working these miracles. And he still is teaching us about this good life that later he will entrust to the apostles themselves, and he is entrusted to all of us to go out and share the good news that is the gospel. Because the gospel ultimately is that relief and that solace and that meaning that we saw Job looking for in the first reading today. But now it's come to fulfillment with the coming of our Lord. So as we celebrate the Eucharist, let's thank our Lord for bringing this good news to us. The good news that started in Capernaum 2,000 years ago that we're recalling historically in this gospel today reached us thanks to the fact that people went out and were so amazed by that good news that they couldn't help but go out and share it. So let's renew that desire. First, in those moments of silence, let's ask ourselves, Lord, make the gospel good news for me again to help me Charge up my evangelical battery, my battery, so to speak, my evangelization batteries, so that transformed by that, I go out and I see that need to share the good news with everyone that I know as well. We praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. Filled with trust, we pray that the church will preach and teach with authority, winning many to the gospel. We pray to the Lord. For all our government leaders, that they will pursue justice, truth, and the common good in the light of God's love. We pray to the Lord. We pray for women who are victims of violence, that they may be protected by society and have their sufferings considered and healed, heat and heated. We pray to the Lord. On the World Day of the Sick this week, that those who are sick, especially the chronically ill, may know healing, friendship, and strength and for an end to the coronavirus pandemic, we pray to the Lord. That our parish community for whom this Mass is being offered will grow in love and devotion for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we pray to the Lord. For the grace this week to grasp the hand of those in need and raise them up, we pray to the Lord. We pray for those who have died. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. Amen.
Loving Father, in you we take refuge. Incline your ear to us and save us. Be our fortress and stronghold. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us also pray to the Blessed Mother. Laudate. Laudate. 